0: Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Hello, everyone. Would you please stand with me as we... Recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. Well, at this point in our service is when we like to pause to take our tithes and offerings. Um, Now, we're not passing out offering uh, baskets, but if you do have cash or check, uh, there is a little envelope in front of your seat. You can put that in there, fill it out, and then you can actually hand it out. The ushers will have uh, the offering baskets. You can hand that to them as you leave uh, this morning. Uh, but we are encouraging people to give digitally. You can download our app and give through there. And you can also go online to celebrationchurch.tv give, and you can give that way. If you're watching online, there's probably a little button on there that you can hit, and you can give that way. Thank you guys for your faithfulness, your generosity, supporting the ministry here at Celebration Church. Um, so this morning, I'm here. I'm filling in for the old man. And uh, he's, uh, <laughs> now it's interesting, right? Uh, heard last week or something that maybe there's a rumor going to, around that my father left the church, to which that was news to both him and I. Uh, and like, do they mean just physically left the building, like after church on Sunday? Because yeah, we do every time. Um, but no, yeah, he's no, he says not left the church. Uh, if you remember, uh, some weeks ago he had mentioned how this fall time there was just a big backlog of all this stuff, uh, you know, because. He goes and he speaks uh, every year. Fall's usually a busy time. And um, last year, 2020, which was the longest three years for most of us, uh, <laughs> there were no events. And so they got postponed and pushed to this fall and everything kind of got crammed in. And so he was gone a bunch. So he does miss you guys. He loves you guys. Uh, I was with him last week. Actually, uh, we were, had an event in North Carolina and we were down there. And then after that, we went to Mississippi, uh, Paschaluga, Mississippi. Like a gold star, if anyone knows where that is, cause I had no idea. <laughs> um, but it's down there right on the uh, Gulf Coast, and we're at Pastor Eric Camp's church. Pastor Eric will actually be with us again in a few weeks, which is cool, he's a great guy. And uh, the thought was, we'll go down there, because is uh, only like 90 minutes away from New Orleans, and the Packers are playing in New Orleans, so we got like tickets to go see the game and we were gonna go see the game. Uh, and then Ida came and shut down that whole city. And so the game got moved to Jacksonville. So we watched the game at Pastor Eric's church. Of course, they're huge New Orleans fans. Uh, and at first, you know, we were, we were bummed. We were bummed we didn't get to go and it was gonna be a fun time. Um, I'd say till about the third quarter. <laughs> 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 that disappointment uh, uh, faded quickly and it was almost a feeling of relief <laughs> oh, whew, okay, well if we were gonna miss one, let's, uh, let's miss this one. Uh, so we sat there as uh, the camps rejoiced, that family rejoiced quite a bit uh, at our expense, and uh, but we got to eat their food. So uh, let's eat as much of their food as we can. All right, let's just, let's get them. Let's try and get them back that way. Uh, so anyway, that was fun. And then um, to, I feel like I'm warming up a little bit more, but this morning, I, so I've got one of these voices where I always sound like I just woke up, like most of the time. And I seriously, my whole life, like, I'd get like a new job, and I'd sit there. people ask, like, Did you just wake up? Are you okay? No, I've been awake for a long time, actually. This is just kind of what I sound like. I feel like I, it sounds like I don't wake up until about 2 p.m. Um, but then, to make it worse, I was cheering my son's uh, football game last night, and it's cold outside, and I'm sitting here cheering and whatever, thinking, like, Oh, wait, this cold probably isn't great for my voice. I have to speak tomorrow. But it was a great game. Uh, and so actually this morning we're gonna just break down his game here over the next 30 minutes <laughs> it was good though that was like such a close game they lost by four points uh, which like how did they do that there was a safety involved but um, they got the ball with like a 90 seconds left and my son's the quarterback and he drops back and like on the first play has a kid wide open and he hits the kid right in the hands and the kid doesn't catch it And the team thought, hey, let's not let them do that again. Defense adjusted, so we ended up losing by four points, but it was great. I was like on my knees falling on the ground, like screaming, I heard other parents (laughs) laughing at me. But anyway, it was good times. Let's get into the sermon this morning, Phil. (laughs) With my last two minutes I have here. No, um, so this morning, we're gonna be looking at the book of James, uh, chapter three. And he is talking here about two kinds of wisdom. He's talking about a earthly wisdom and a heavenly wisdom. And he kind of juxtaposes these back and forth. And he starts off by posing this question. So this is in James chapter three, verse 13. He says, who is wise in understanding among you? And he's kind of saying, so who, who do you guys think you're wise? You guys think you're wise. Clearly there was a problem there going and as you read through it you find there's lots of arguments and stuff going back and forth, saying I'm right, no I'm right, which, you know, thankfully, you know, two thousand years later we don't have that problem anymore. <laughs> Trying to choose ourselves who's right. So they were sitting there arguing, he goes, Okay, which one of you guys are wise? And then he says, I'll tell you how you can see a person is wise. He goes on to say, Let them show it by their good life and by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. In other words, if you think you're wise, just you having knowledge inside of you and spouting the right things, that doesn't really make you wise. It might make you knowledgeable. I'll Show me a wise person by how they live their life. Do they have a good life? Are things going well for them? You know, I don't know if you're like me, but it seems like there's always people in your life or you hear about these people who, they are the most opinionated people in the world. They have an answer for everything, right? But they just struggle in life. Just nothing seems to work out for them. There's failure here and there, you know, relationship, but no one likes them. <laughs> they struggle to hold a job, but yet they've got the answers for you, right? Uh, that's not wisdom, <laughs> okay? Stay away from that. He says, here, if you think you're wise, if anyone's sitting here thinking TMI, I was, look at your life. How do you live it out? That's how you can tell a person is wise. It says, by deeds done in humility, That comes from wisdom. Now, this word humility, it actually translates, the the Greek word is um, praiutes. I forgot to ask Parker. My son took Greek. I don't know if I say say that correctly. He's not gonna answer me now either because that's his worst nightmare is to say anything publicly. But I I say praiutes, which almost kind of sounds a little Italian. Praiutes, which that's Italian and not Greek. So my pronunciation is probably just what an Italian person would sound like, saying Greek incorrectly. But the definition of that is it means gentle force, reserved power. Like you have power, but you're, you're, you're holding out on it, right? It's like you're Superman with heat ray vision, and you want to just melt everyone's face off, but you don't. <laughs> it's like, you see that, that uh, movie to uh, Evan Almighty? Where he kind of becomes God. It's like you've got this little smite button, and you just want to hit everyone, but you choose not to hit it. That's the idea behind this. Because usually what we want to do is we want to prove how right we are. We want to prove how wrong everyone else is. We want to fight and get into things because there's something we want. And here he's saying that is not wisdom. When you have that power, you might have all the rightness and stuff, but you have this reserved power inside of you where you just don't go and hit the smite button on everyone just to prove your rightness. You pause for a second. And the thing that he says here is this, kind of humility, it comes from wisdom and the wisdom that comes from God. You know, this is something that begins with the Lord's inspiration and finishes with his direction and his empowerment. It's a virtue that can only operate through faith. This is something more than just us. This is something more than just getting knowledge in. This is something that we get from the Lord. You know, James says uh, earlier in his book that he wrote wrote here that anyone who lacks wisdom to ask for you know, and God will give it, and it's something that comes from God. And so that's how he sets up this idea about wisdom. Now he goes on to talk about um, these two kinds of wisdoms. The first here he says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Selfish ambition. Again, most of us, we wanna do things based off of how does it affect us? He says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Ouch, okay. Now, the definitions here that he kind of lays out of this is, first of all, look at this one, unspiritual. He says, okay, this kind of wisdom is unspiritual, the kind that's just selfish and it's for me. And, and this unspiritual, this, that, that Greek word actually um, translates to describe animals that are only concerned about their survival, it, it has the idea of being controlled by emotions or what feels right. But just because something feels right doesn't make it right, amen? But we operate it out of that. We feel so strongly that there should be something and we should do this because I feel it and my feeler, you know, just needs to be right. So when you get upset at someone, you feel that they're wrong and you just wanna get into them, tell them how wrong they are so you can feel better about yourself, you just hammer into them. Why are you doing that? That's not how you're supposed to do that. What are you being you stupid? La, 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 and just lay into them. You're not helping the person, you're just helping yourself. You ever know someone like that? Where they can't wait to jump on the person that's doing something wrong and point it out? Someone messed up, yeah, look at them, yeah, look at them, they messed up. They're not adding anything, but what they're doing is they're making themselves feel better. And this feel stuff, it gets us in trouble all the time. You know, we, we talk about it when we go and we speak with couples about marriage. The key to a successful marriage is not always being honest with how you feel. <laughs> if you always operated out of how you feel, you'd kill each other. <laughs> you know? And some people just say, well, no, I just have to be honest with how I feel. And so you just vomit everything on top of them. I think this. Ah, rah, 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 rah. I don't know why marriage sucks. Stop living out of everything that you feel. Now the problem is, is we tend to surround ourselves with people who feel as incorrectly and think as weird as we do about things. And we love to go to those people and share with them our problems because they pet our little feeler thingies. And we sit in there and they're like, well I feel, this person did this, and they go, oh my gosh, that is so awful. Yeah, you need to tell me. Oh, I, I wouldn't take that at all. Yeah, you're right, you're right. They're just giving you awful advice and it doesn't work out. And this is nothing new. We can look back in uh, the Old Testament. We can look in 1 Kings. There's a story of this king. His name's King Rehoboam. And King Rehoboam, he is the son of King Solomon, the wisest man to live. King Solomon was this great king. He's passed. So here's King Rehoboam. He's the young guy. He's the new guy. He's in being the king. And he runs into his first big problem. And he has something placed in front of him he has to figure out. He's got these people, they're, they're kind of asking for, you know, they, they're uh, servants of the king and they're kind of asking for a reprieve. Hey, the king was kind of, your father's a little tough on us, how about you give us a break here? And so now he has to figure out, well, how do I respond to the situation? So it says here, 1 Kings uh, chapter 12, starting at verse six, it says, then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. So these are the old dudes, they've been around the block. They've seen a few things. They've proven themselves wise. So yes, it makes sense to go and ask them, right? So he does. He says, how would you advise me to answer these people? And so these wise men, they replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. In other words, listen, if you give them a little grace, they're asking for a little grace, just give a little bit of grace, just back off a little bit, you will actually create a relationship with them where now you will have a relationship and they will be your servants forever happily. But the young king, that's not what he wanted to feel because he's the king. He can do whatever the heck he wants to. He has all this power. And someone, first thing, someone comes and says, hey, can you give me a break? So he's like, I I don't know about that. So it says in verse eight, Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him, and then he went and consulted all the young idiot men who had grown up with him and were serving him. These are his buddies. They all think like he thinks. And he goes, what do you guys think? What's, he, what's your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke of your, that your father has put on us? Well, these young men who had grown up with him, think just like him, replied, Well, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make your your your, yoke lighten the yoke your father put on us. That was me reversing. That was kind of good. Make our yoke lighter. They say, now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. I didn't know what that meant first service. Uh Becky and her wisdom and research, she wouldn't find out what that means. Uh, I can't say it here in church. <laughs> Waste was a nice word there in the general area, but that's not what they were referring to, which made me giggle. <laughs> <laughs> they basically saying, man, you ain't seen nothing yet. You need to tell them, my father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. I don't even know how that works, but it sounds painful. So the young guy said, man, forget those guys. You're the king. Show them who's king. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And he had the right, right was on his side. He had the power. He's the king. He can do what he wants to. These people say to repeat, I'm not going to give you anything. I'm the king. You follow me. You do what I tell you to do. So he listens to their advice. And if you read on, you find out that that did not work out well for him. You know, just because you're right doesn't mean you pounding people over the face with your rightness wins the day. This, he was operating out of his own feelings. He wanted to do that because that made him feel better. It was all just about him, 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 him. And he was not thinking about the people in that relationship. And this is something we do too often, and we get ourselves in trouble. And you think, but I've got all this knowledge, but i got all this stuff. Yeah, that doesn't make you wise. Wisdom comes with this humility, this reserved power. And if he would have gone in there and said, I have the power, but I'm gonna give some grace, things would have been different. So you gotta watch out for that unspiritual, that just making it about your how I feel. Then here in, in verse 15 when he says, this is kind of wisdom that also is demonic. Because otherwise, it comes from the devil. And that's harsh language. You know, as, as you read through this, you make it, you could take it as, you know, he goes on to explain, you know, be peaceful in this and don't do this. You think, oh, okay, I just need to, you never need to say anything abrasive or anything like that. Except the fact if you read James at what he's saying here, he is in these people's face. So it's not saying you can't get in people's face. It doesn't mean that you can't have a little bit of conflict and discuss things through. But why are you doing that? Why are you getting into this? Are you gonna enter into a argument or something because you're right? Are you gonna enter into this argument because I want to bring peace? Now here he says, this demonic. Now, that means of the devil. And the devil has a play in his playbook that is the oldest trick in the book. It quite literally is the oldest trick in the Bible. <laughs> you see, God created man. He's got Adam and Eve. There's this connection between him and humanity. And then he tells them, listen, the only thing is don't eat of this tree. But then the devil comes in and he sees Eve sitting there. And he goes, hey, so he, he told you not to eat of this tree, huh? Yeah why is that well I said we're not supposed to and Satan comes in and goes yeah but you ever get those yeah buts where you know you should do something something in your mind so you shouldn't do that and you go yeah but and he says yeah but the reason he doesn't want you to do that is because you're going to have all this knowledge you'll be like him you'll be have all this knowledge everything like he has oh my goodness well yeah I want that well that sounds yeah that sounds right and she eats, and it brings in sin, condemnation into humanity. Satan does this constantly with us all the time. You'll be doing something, you might have something in your head going, you know, gee, I know God wants me to be nice, I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but this guy's a moron. And you hit the yeah butts, so you're like, I'll make it be someone else's problem, and you might not help someone. You know, scripture tells us how we're supposed to treat our spouse. It says, husbands, you're supposed to you know, love your spouse like Christ loves the church, which means Christ covers our sins. He died for us. Are you quick to forgive your spouse? Do you cover the sins? Or are you sitting down writing every single one of them so that when you have that argument, you've got lots of ammunition? You go, yeah, but... You don't know my wife. (laughs) No, the yeah, but, that's not God, that's the devil. You gotta watch out for those yeah, buts. They get us into trouble. And listen, there's things that people straight up know. I mean, you know, one of them is, and we run into it a lot, especially dealing with marriage and young married couples, where they grow up in the church, they know the scriptures, they console themselves, you know, consider themselves Christian. And then you find out like they're living together, sleeping together. And you say, you know the scripture says not to do that. Well, yeah, I know, but. I get the world doesn't have a problem with it. I get that it's socially acceptable. I understand that. But where do you think that thinking comes from when God is saying one thing, but then you go, yeah, but. It's as James describes, demonic. That's about the devil. Don't be doing that. Don't let him trick you with the oldest trick in the book. Amen? Amen. I gave myself an amen because I wasn't sure if you were there with me. Either way. <laughs> you guys are a little more awake, though. Always the second service. There's not quite as many of you, but you're like twice as loud and vocal as them. I don't know. Apparently, everyone's just so holy and somber in the first service. They're... Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. Okay, where am I? Uh, oh, my iPad just did something weird. I'm there, I'm back, here we go. Verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. He's saying when you operate out of this, and you're just operating for yourself, you are not bringing peace, you see disorder, you see chaos, right, in verse 17 now, he's talking about what wisdom from above looks like. He says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. That means you're not in that wisdom. It's not about you. It's pure. It's given through God. It's when you're just submitting yourself fully to him. It says it comes from pure, and then it's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap harvest of Righteousness. And again, this peace-loving doesn't mean that you just avoid every single conflict, but peace-loving characterizes our ability to get along with others. My friend, if you're the kind of person who just constantly can't wait to look for a fight, that's not wisdom. You're not being peace-loving. Now sometimes, again, like I said, to bring peace, you gotta get in and have conflict. I understand that, but are you going into that conflict and you know, you know what happens, you know, because we all do this. Right, before you get into an argument, have you ever like prepare your arguments like you're a lawyer? Right, we all do this. You sit down and you've got, you know, here's what I'm gonna say, I know here's how they'll respond, so let's prepare and let's do this, let's pull up this whole thing from behind, this is a great little ammunition, and you build your little argument. Are you building that argument so at the end of the day, some imaginary judge will go, you're right. Or are you building that, or are you going through that because I need to connect. We need to have relationship. I want to bring peace into this ultimately. But that's no fun. (laughs) Because I'm so right sometimes. And if they just could understand how right I am, then all things would be better. But what does it say when you do things out of selfish ambition? It brings disorder. It brings in evil. As opposed wisdom from above, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Start doing things thinking about peace. Instead of going in and you see something going wrong, maybe it's out, you know. It could be in, you know, work or different things like that. Some people, they have uh, in their jobs, you know, you go in and, and your boss drives you crazy Things happen, you can't stand being there. The common thought is to, you know, to, the, the take this job and shove it is what is praised here, right? Yes. The problem is, after you take that job and shove it, now you don't have a job. And then you're coming in and asking for, God to bless you financially. <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't go find another job or something, but maybe you have to do it a different way, more of a peaceful way. Say, but that's not fun, because I want to leave with my boss, knowing what a jerk I think they are. Giving them the single finger salute as I storm out of the building. Yes. What does that bring? Disorder and chaos in your life, and now you have no money. Doing things for yourself are not always the best. What's the best to do there? Is using the preyutes. <laughs> the reserved power. Hold on a second. In chapter four, it says when we submit ourselves to, uh, talking about submitting ourselves to God, in chapter four, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires and the battle within you? Because see, you're all dealing with stuff. It could be insecurity. Listen, all of us in here are insecure about something. Guarantee you that. And when those insecurities come in, we fight back to protect ourselves. But we have to be careful in doing that because we will just reap chaos, and it keeps happening. Here he goes on, I say, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God, and when you ask God, you do not receive, because you are a selfish little jerk with wrong motives, and you, oh, different translation, uh, that you may spend with what you have on your own pleasures. And we see this. When we're just left to our own devices, when we're left to what we want to do, we just, it's easy for humanity to devolve. I was <laughs> talking about in the first service, you know, just look at social media, which was designed to bring people together. Like, remember, even back, like, with MySpace, we all started with a friend. Do you remember his name? Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and what a great idea. And you get, on, you, know, you get on Facebook, and you find out all these friends. Great. And now I've got like 300-something people who I don't know, half of them are, but they're my friends. And it should be friendly, but then people start posting things about what they think. You know? Like, I like boxers over briefs. You would think, well, that's an odd statement, but then you'll follow through that thread and at some point, someone's threatening to kill someone. (laughs) Well, that devolved. That escalated quickly. But that's what we do because we're all about uh, me, 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 me. So James gives us this. He ends it with this. He says, so what you need to do is you need to submit yourselves then to God. Say, God, you take control. You need to resist the devil, and he will flee. Come near to God, and he will come near to you, because guys, guess what? God did this for us. We talked about in Genesis, we sinned against him, we wronged against him. He had all the right in the world to hit the old smite button. Zap." Let's try this again, you little nitwits. But he didn't do that. He chose, he got the small group of people, like, let's see if we can get these people right long enough. I'm gonna send my son, Jesus, to die on the cross for these people who they're the ones that messed up. He, in all reality, should have sat, sat back there and said, you guys want back into my grace? Prove yourself. But see what he understood is no one can be perfect without him. And yet we do that. Our imperfectness, we look at other people say, you need to come, you need to get right. I don't need to reach out to you. I don't need to make peace. You're the one screwed up. And then you come in and you pray, God forgive me like I forgive others. So in view of his mercy, in view of what he did us, sending his son Jesus to die for us, that we can be forgiven if we just believe in him. Let that humble us as we go out in our lives, as we have our relationships in your family, at work with people that you meet. And when that little devil on your shoulder pops up and you know that you shouldn't act this way and he goes, yeah, but, say, no, Satan. I really want to do what you're telling me to do. That'll feel so good. It would make a great ending to a movie in my mind. But I'm going to choose to be kind in this situation. I'm gonna choose to how do I create peace in this. Amen? Amen. All right, let's bow our heads. Lord God, we thank you. We really truly are grateful for what you have done for us. And how even though we turned against you, we rebel against you, that even in that and in our rebellion and in our separation from you, you chose to come and to save us. And we thank you for that, God. And Lord, we pray that you help us show that same kind of love to others around us. And it's tough, God, because I tell you what, we have people in our lives that I'm pretty sure at some point I'm convinced that maybe you put them here to torture us. (laughs) But we know that's not true. We know that those feelings inside are just our selfishness, our insecurities. Help us to say no to those. Help us to resist Satan and to submit ourselves to you. And then as we transition into our time of communion, the scripture says that we ought to examine ourselves before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so God, as we think about that and we think inwardly, Before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, Lord, we examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we have done or by what we have left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, Lord, have mercy on us and forgive us of our sins. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.